This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Jan Shanaez and Max Cohen. This is going to be a little bit of an old school Cottage Talk episode. We are going to be doing our post-match show portion of the show when we look back at the draw for Fulham against Charlton Athletic. We'll also be talking a little bit about Man City, the upcoming FA Cup match. And we do have to talk about Bobby decadover Reed permanently becoming a Fulham player. So we have a good amount to talk about. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. But before I do anything else, I want to welcome both my co-hosts back to the show because we've all been dealing with some sort of illness, but it's great that we can all get back to doing the show first. Mr. Cohen, how are you feeling? No, I'm on the way back, Russ. Uh, as you mentioned, you'll hear my voice. It's it's not 100%, but you know, anything for the uh, college talk lads got to come back to injury. You know, the managers <laughs> rush me back and, you know, it's a, it's a promotion running and you just can't miss many matches in this vital stretch, so. Gotta squeeze him in. <laughs> okay, excellent. Mr. Janaeus, how are you doing, my friend? Well, the head's on the shoulders. Uh not sure the brain is uh functioning <laughs> that well, but uh, just it's just day to day concussion thing, you know. The, um anybody's ever concussion will know you you feel okay one minute and then all of a sudden if your head feels wobbly and you get a big headache. But uh, slowly but surely, um just one of those things that happens in life. Okay. Well I hope both of you feel better as quickly as possible. I'm still on the road to recovery. You can probably hear in my voice as well. Max and yeah. I are both dealing with the flu. So it's just been a, a difficult time. And uh, to our audience, thank you so much for sticking with us. Again, we're going to have a lot more episodes. We've just been dealing with different illnesses. And uh, we're going to be back and running back to full strength very soon. But that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a show all together. This is the first time we could do it as the three of us. So we're doing it right now. So let's get into it, guys. This will be the post-match show portion of this episode. And I'm going to start, as I've been doing lately, looking at the head coach presser from this nil-nil draw for Fulham. And this is from Scott Parker. I'm going to break it up into two parts. We're going to talk about the first one. And it's really going to focus more on the defensive part of Fulham's game with this draw a clean sheet, so I'm going to just share what Scott Parker talked about after the match, and then we're going to discuss it. So here's part one, and then there'll be something a little bit different in part two. Here's part one. Quote, I think sitting here now, it's one or two nil game if we had taken our chances. There were two massive chances in the second half, and if we had taken them, we should be sitting here at one nil. We had good control in that game, so initially... I feel a little disappointed, but in saying that, we got another clean sheet. It's our third clean sheet in a row now. If we don't manage to win a game, you certainly can't lose it, and I think from tonight, that's the biggest positive. I have sat in the seat after matches this year where we had a lot of control, and we have still come away with a defeat because someone had hit us on the break. I think we're really solid, 
and that's a big positive, unquote. Okay, over to you, Max. I want to get your thoughts. Again, this part of the quotes from Scott Parker are going to be dealing with getting the clean sheet. And I think this is important. I'm glad that he had mentioned that this is the third clean sheet in the row. We, we're going to talk after this, after we go through all the quotes, we'll talk about our thoughts on just getting a draw. But I want to just focus on right now what he had to share. And your thoughts on him talking about the clean sheet and the defensive performance in this match. Yeah, of course, it's, it's a positive, but we were never really tested, right? It, it wasn't, I, I can't point you to any amazing defensive, you know, big saves by Rodak or tackles okay. by Hector Arim. I think it was just, a, honestly, a terrible game. And okay. yeah, yes, we had the clean sheet, but chances were few and far between. And the defense wasn't stretched. Neither defense was stretched. Right. You know? I think the match was devoid of any real quality for large stretches, and there weren't periods of sustained pressure. So, yes, we got a clean sheet, and yes, that's a positive. And, you know, beginning of the season, that would have been unheard of, you know, three clean sheets in a row. That's right. The defense looked quite leaky, but it's a positive now. But when you're playing teams like Charlton away, and, and I know other big championship sides have gone there and struggled to get anything, but realistically, I think the main reason why people are frustrated is because they're not a good side. And, you know, they're, they're the wrong okay. end of the table. They're a team we should be beating. And, yes, we have the clean sheet, but the expectations are so much higher for this match that just kind of emphasizing the defensive aspects isn't going to be enough for most people. Okay, Max, back to you, because I've heard this comment a great deal. We know how difficult the championship is, and we can go back the time – the teams played at Craven Cottage. And at that point, I thought Charlton were a decent side. So you think that because of where they are in the table, that they're not a decent side anymore? Because I thought at that time they were. Oh, sure. I think a lot's changed since then. Right? I think they lost a lot of players to injury. That's been a big part of their season. They lost that, you know, Chelsea Loney Gallagher uh, to Swansea. I think he was yep. one of the best young players in the championship. It's, it's been tough for them, and I think the table shows that. You know, when we played them back in, you know, September, October, whenever, they were, I'd say, probably 7th, 8th, ninth, that kind of area. And now, I think, they're probably like 18th, 19th, 17th, that area. So, they've dropped in the table. Again, it's, it's a tight league, sure, but looking at it now, it's it's a it, it was a game we should have won. And it's a game we should have won just because of these circumstances. Okay. Leeds slipped up. West Brom slipped up. We had just won against Borough. You know, we had momentum. We had two wins in a row. This It felt like, you know, the perfect storm for us. We were going to start making that charge towards the top two, and everyone assumed a win would have truly solidified that. That would have been the statement of intent. Midweek, uh, barely anyone's playing. It's just Austin Forrest playing midweek um, this week in the championship. We get that win. Suddenly, the gap is closer, and we're back in business. And it feels like a draw was just such a missed opportunity. Okay. I, I think that's more than anything is why people Trust are mad, me. right? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to. It missed opportunity. Okay. And I want to spend time after we go through Scott Parker's presser. We're going to go back to that because I, I want to. I have my thoughts on it being a missed opportunity as well. Over to you, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts on what Max shared. Of course, what Scott Parker shared. And do you agree with Max that this? It sounds like Max thinks it is more to do with Charlton not doing anything pretty much being poor in this match than what Fulham did to get the clean sheet. I'm curious your view on that and also view on what Scott Parker shared. Well, I knew it was going to be a tough game. I mean, I said on the last show, when we when they entertain, we entertained them down at the cottage, they gave us a tough time. And um, we know they've had a lot of injuries. Um, it's really a miracle that they put, they're able to put a lineup out. They obviously think Leah Bowie has done an excellent job down there. They just gave him a new contract on Thursday. And uh, I thought it would be a tough, tough match. They've, I think they've they've been punching above their weight. And they really don't have the resources we do. And they set up to defend. And defend they did. It was We just couldn't find a way to, to break them down. And uh, I think when you've got as many young players as they've got, you know, I think they're safe from relegation. I really think that um, Barnsley, Luton, and um, and Wigan are down. Um, so, but any little point takes them closer to safety. And uh, they wanted it was uh, they wanted to try and um, blue collar their way to a draw. And I got I've got to give them 
I'm not on the negative boat here. I think it's a, I think it's a good point. I thought it was, I knew it was going to be a tough game. It turned out to be. I've got to give them a lot of credit. They fought like lions, and we were undermanned in terms of strikers up front. And uh, you know, it's just it's um, it's it swings and roundabouts. I mean, Leeds and yep. West Brom lost last week. Leeds next game is home to Millwall. Good luck with that one. Right, that's going to be a really tough game. Um, they're going to be games we're expected to win that we won't. And there'll be games where we'll hope to win and maybe not have the greatest chance, and we will. So I'll take the point and we'll move on to Huddersfield next week. Okay, excellent, Yanis. And uh, I think it's a good point as well, but again, we'll talk about that in more detail when we talk about this being a potentially a missed opportunity. I certainly want to drill down on that a little bit more. But let's now focus on the second part of the quotes from Scott Parker that really involved talking about the injury issues that Fulham have and just the effort of his side. So I'm going to read this now from Scott Parker. Quote, there is no denying that we have a lot of front half players injured at this present moment in time. And this was certainly a game for an attacking piece of genius. We were playing a side who was banked up and we needed some attacking flair and something off the cuff. But we didn't have that because we have a lot of injuries. Overall, I'm delighted with my players who were full of commitment. I can't fault effort here tonight. Children were fighting for their lives and playing for a draw. So we knew the match was going to come down to one chance. Tonight we had a chance, but we weren't clinical. And of course, on another day, we could have taken one of those chances and we would have come away with a win. I saw a fully committed team. When we have come up against teams like this sometimes this year, there are full of heart and passion. We haven't matched that. But tonight we did. Unquote. Okay. Back to you, Giannis. This goes back to talking about the players, their effort in this match, and also the injuries. And here's my opinion on the injuries, because I'm not looking at it as an excuse, but it's a fact in this. It's definitely made a difference. I think not having Anthony Narcott was huge, maybe even more so than Mitro, because they needed someone that had that pace that could be on say on on another side of Cavallaro. So I think they really missed Anthony Knockhart. So I think it's fair to talk about injuries, but I'm not looking at it as an excuse. I just think it's a factor in why we saw a nil-nil draw. And I'm just curious your thoughts about how he sees this effort-wise, along with talking about the injuries. Your thoughts on the quotes, Giannis, from uh, Scott Parker. Yeah, I don't disagree on anything he said. Um, I thought the lads did put a good effort in. I, I, I can't fault that. I, I mean, there was there was a lot of social social media buzz about one or two of the players in terms of their performances. The big thing, the big pushback after the game Wednesday was Tom Kearney's performance. That um, he just didn't he just didn't look right. He looks tired. It looks lead legged. Um, it, it just it's not happening for him at the moment. But it's not to say that our team can work their socks off, and Charlton certainly did. And you have games like that where it's just, um, it's, for want of a better phrase, trench warfare. And he's right. I mean, one chance was going to settle it, um, but it didn't. Um, and we've got, again, I'm, we've got to give Charlton credit. We've, we've played them twice this year. We've drawn with them twice. And both have been very tough games. And uh, it's not like we've got our number. But London derbies, local derbies, always like that, Russ. You, you know, whether yep. we play Millwall or the Ha-Has or Charlton, you know, or the Fodder, it's, they're all, they're all going to be difficult games, eight difficult games because you've got local rivalries and all that sort of stuff. So, it, you know, it's, it's really not to be unexpected. Um, but I think it's one of those where, you know, you, you get the point. It's not like we lost. Um, we get the point, we move on, um, City tomorrow in, in the Cup, uh, see what we can do there, and then Huddersfield. Uh, we've got 18 games to go, Russ, so yep. many games, so many twists and turns, you know, there are going to be some shockers for sure, and, you know, three clean shoots in a row, I think is is a huge factor. Huge, I do too. Massive, I think that's massive a... plus. I agree. Massive plus. Right. It's huge. And Congolo hasn't even played yet, although he can't play against Huddersfield because obviously he can't. You know, he can't play against his thingy team. But he can play tomorrow. And um, the way Hector's playing, Hector Van Dyke, 
Um, <laughs> you know, we're going to be difficult to break down. But, you know, sometimes you've got to give credit to the opposing team. It doesn't matter how they set up. And they, they worked very, very hard. And I, I thought uh, I thought a draw was a fair result overall. Okay, excellent. Max, over to you. Feel free to share your thoughts on what Scott Parker shared and also what Yana shared and what I mentioned as well. And uh, I'm glad that Yanis mentioned, mentioned this because I always give credit to the opposition when they do something. I know what you're saying. You have a feeling that this is a poor side now, but they still gave full effort. Full, I actually agree with Scott Parker. Match the effort. Now, I've, I've seen comments that it was toothless, and you can make that argument, but I don't think that Fulham didn't try, you know, didn't match their intensity. I think they did. I just don't think that they did enough to get the victory. So uh, feel free to share your thoughts on all of that. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think, yeah, you're right. Charlton, credit to them. They were, I thought they stuck to their plan superbly in both matches we played them in. As Anna said, I'm really glad he gave them, gave them credit because it's true. Uh, they came out of both games, I think, with their, held, uh, their heads held, held high. Absolutely. And they play for their manager. You know, that's that's a drill yep. team. Um, and they don't have the resources. They don't have the squad that other teams have. So having them perform in the, in the, in the league like the championship and doing, you know, as well as they are, they're not in a great position, but I don't think they're going to go down. That's a huge credit for them, especially with all the turmoil that happened this summer with the ownership and whatnot. Credit to them. Um, I'm delighted for them. And then I think we, we did match them yesterday, intensity. We, we weren't I – I wouldn't say we were off – the pace, we, it was just kind of, the whole game was, there was just no quality, you know, that's, that's the one thing that overrode, yeah. overrode everything I thought, was just, there was no quality anywhere, you know, no one looked like they're going to step above the fray, just the normal dross, of that kind of midweek match. Sure. And you're right, it's, it's injuries. You know, if we have our full squad at our disposal, it's not even close. But yeah, Charles and I've asked that question similar. to people. Honestly, yeah. if Mitro plays, Nakar plays, even Kamara plays, yeah, Kamara. I was going to talk about Kamara. Yeah. Yes. Because I think yes. they missed him, believe it or not, in this match. They could have used him. 100%, because a lot has been talked about. Oh, let's bring in another striker. We need more attacking options in January. Well, we have so many. They're just all injured. You know, Kamara would be the perfect man to step in, play that central role. You know, we saw it against QPR in late November. I thought he was superb in that match, scored two goals as that central striker. And this is going to transition to my next point about the club. What's his injury? When was he injured? <laughs> I literally cannot tell you. When was the last I have no idea. Him and why did he stop playing? I mean, what? It's, it's we so have no information, Max. And I'm glad he gets run up in the show I was out for um, last week. I appreciate that. It was, it was a great show. And you said, listen, as I said before, there's no information. No information exchange. And, you know, I'm not really optimistic or change. It's kind of the fact of the matter right now. But come on. I mean, players like Kamara, I, I have no idea what happened to him. No. I mean, Giannis could say he could be halfway around the world. I saw he's on his Instagram story Friday night. He was, like, making crepes. There's a video, there's, like, French music blasting. He's, like, making crepes or cook, cooking something. I'm like, Abubakar, where are you, man? Abu, come back. But I don't know. I have no idea what happened to him. Very good point there. Very good point there, Max. Okay. Let's move on. And now let's go back and talk about Missed opportunity. This has been something that I've seen a tremendous amount on social media. And I understand it because when you look at the teams ahead of Fulham, this was a chance to really knock down that lead to both West Brom and Leeds United. So that is a missed opportunity if you're looking at it that way. So I, I get all that and I, I get the frustration. But I'm with Giannis. I still think it's a good point on the road against the team that has done a very good job playing against Fulham with a good manager. So I look at it that way. I, I take more of a positive than I do a negative. And I actually was going back and forth on Twitter with uh, Mike Gregg on this because I said that I can't treat this white Fulham draw like a loss. And he said, well, people aren't treating it like that. And that's a good point. I don't know if people are treating it like a loss, but they're acting like it's a loss, if that makes any sense. Meaning that they're so frustrated with it, it feels like, a loss rather than a good point on the road. You know, again, you can be disappointed, but I think that there, in my opinion, there's been a little bit of an overreaction. And Max, before I go to you, I want to bring up again, this is a missed opportunity and I could see why people feel that way, but I'm going to give you two matches that I think are much more important to Fulham 
getting either one or two, they're getting automatic promotion. And those are the two head-to-head matches against Leeds United and, of course, West Brom. Those six points mean, to me, a hell of a lot more than this one point. This one point could be valuable. But Fulham need to win both of those matches, Max. So, to me, those two will be the matches I'll be looking at. Of course, all the matches in general. But those are the two that I think we should be focusing more on because that can change the table more than this draw. I, I, w- I want to get your thoughts about the missed opportunity and what I'm throwing on the table, talking about those two matches. Yeah, well, before I get to the, the two matches, I want to talk about the missed opportunity and the fan reaction. And I have a bit of a theory of why there was such – I mean, it was a visceral reaction from the entire fan base. I think right. everyone felt something. And here's my theory why. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Go ahead. So, essentially, the, th- the thesis is Fulham don't draw nil-nil. We just don't. So this season, we had that nil-nil draw at Burrow. But you can kind of argue because we had the red card early on, it felt different because we held on with 10 men for almost all the match. That's been it this season. Let's go back to last season. We would won nil-nil draw all of last season. That was away at Newcastle uh, in late December. That was like the first clean sheet of the season. We go back to 17-18. We'd won nil-nil draw all season. And it was, I think it was a game Piazone broke his leg away at Leeds in I early remember August. that. And then you go back to 2016-17, and we also only had one nil-nil game all season, and that was away at Wigan in September 2016. So that's just the past four seasons. We've essentially averaged one nil-nil match a season. Okay. And this year, we've had two, and people are freaking out because it doesn't happen. We just, as a club, I think there's a stat, Craven Cottage hasn't had one in like 10 years or something. We just don't draw a nil-nil. And when it happens, people just don't know how to react because it's so rare. And it just doesn't feel right for Fulham. No, no, and Fulham don't mix. So because we drew no, no, okay. Valley, my theory is that fans don't know how to react because it's so rare, and it's just such an awkward feeling. Interesting. And uh, also, your thoughts about me focusing on those two head-to-head matches, and then I'll go to Giannis. I think, of course, when we play the teams above us, it's going to be massive. But I look at you know kind of the games we should win. Those are almost more important for me. Okay. Because I just look at what happened when I saw them over the festive period. You look at those matches, Reading, Luden, Stoke, all three teams in the, in the bottom, eight, nine, all must wins. And we didn't play well in any of them. So, you know, losing to Reading, drawing to Luton, stuff like that is when I think it's going to be won because that's how we need to keep the pace in order for those games against the top two to matter in the first place. We need to win the winnable matches. And that's something that we've actually struggled at this season. Right, but my point on these two head-to-heads is that it's the three-point swing, Max. And I think that's massive when you're looking at these two because you're affecting them too. So, again, that to me, why I'm focused on that. But I understand where you're talking about. You're looking at the matches that we should be winning and we we need to be winning those. So I I get that as well. Giannis, over to you. Thoughts on what Max and I are talking about with a missed opportunity? And also, what do you make of me focusing on the head-to-head matches, is being more important than a draw against uh, our last match against uh, Charlton Athletic. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the head-to-heads are going to be interesting because we've got to go to the Hawthorns and, and Alan Rose. We have to go on the road to, for both of them. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not going to be... I mean, I, I watched um, West Brom lose to Stoke uh, in the week. Yeah. And uh, West Brom really struggled. I mean, it, to me, they, they had no end product. Um, it, it, they they played okay in the midfield. Stoke scored an early goal, and then really shut shop in there. But you know there, there were quite a few teams in the bottom end that I think are better teams than their record suggests. And I, and I would submit to you that Stoke City are certainly one of them. Um, Leeds United have, have hit a real bump. I mean they, they're not they're not they're not playing well. They're not getting results. They've got Millwall coming in, and Millwall are on a real run. Neil House has done a ridiculous job down at the, at the den, and, and they're going to be all fire and brimstone, and that's a tough game to come back after, you know, the FA Cup. So I think they're, um, the games against Leeds and West Brom are going to be critical, but West Brom and Leeds are on really nasty runs right now, and with the transfer window about a week away, they've got some very difficult decisions to make about who they bring in. Um, I think that's where, if you look at what, Tony Khan's done with, you know, securing Cavier and Decadova Reed. He's freed up space to bring in one or maybe two loans in. And, and right now, 
I think what if we look at those two critical games, um, let's assume a worst case scenario and we don't, you know, Mitro's still out um, and Boo Boo's out and Maskins is out and Knockout is out, we're probably a striker short. And by tying up the loans with, as purchases, um, there's a little bit of there's some wiggle room. And yeah. um, I'm really curious to see what Tony Khan's going to do this week and who he's going to. I mean, there's a there are a lot of rumors flying around. There was one that I raised on Facebook groups yesterday, only because it came out as a rumor on Tuesday that we had made an approach to take Daniel Sturridge on loan from Fenerbahce. Um, and let's not forget he won a Champions League last year. So uh, he took a pay cut to go to Turkey. I'm sure he'd like to get back into the English game. And, um, you know, there were going to be names, maybe not as big as his, but there will be names that will be thrown around of players that could come here. And uh, I think we're still a striker short um, to help us out. But you're right. Um, and you're going to find Leeds and West Brom are going to lose to, to the bottom rung teams as well, right? Or draw, for sure. Um, so it's going to be, at the very least, Russ. I think I was saying this to somebody the other night. We're in third place. Let's, at the very least, let's make sure we get in the playoffs. I, I don't think we, you know, let's three to six. It's 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 a pick'em. It's a lottery. If we can get up to the top two, we've got the chance, but it's a long. There's a long way to go. It's still only January. And um, I think this deadline week is going to be massive to see who Leeds get in, who West Brom get in, who the Fodder get in, who Swansea get in, who Knott's Forest get in, ourselves. And then injury things, you know, injury. And also, don't forget Cup runs. Um, right. We, if we did the unthinkable knocked off Man City tomorrow, that's another game we have to play. And, uh, you know, that can have an impact on our squad, which isn't really deep at the moment. Okay. Excellent. All right, guys, we're going to talk a little bit more about this match. Let's talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. And, Max, I'll go to you first because when I look at this match and I saw the starting 11 and the 18 overall to begin, the first name not there that stood out for me was Anthony Knockhart. And I had, had a feeling it was injury-related. And when I looked at it, I was like, I think we might be missing Knockhart. I, that was my first thought when I saw that, that that might hurt us a little bit. So what was going through your mind when you saw it? I was thinking, you know, if you love central midfielders, this is your game. Center mid heaven. I mean, it was just, it was a smorgasbord of center mids. It was amazing. That's right. Anyone you wanted, and they're on the pitch together. It was such a, for people who I think love tactics, like it's a great experimentation. What if you just threw in every single central midfielder? What would happen, you know? (laughs) And we played them outside of center midfield, and and maybe it would work. You know, who knew? Uh, But... I'm not just a bit of banter because I think Scotty, his hand was forced. I'm, I'm not actually uh, yeah. um, slacking him off about that. He, he had no choice. But it was no, it I was don't think mess. he had I much mean, of a choice. I mean, what, Autumn was on the right wing. Um, you got to fit in both McDonald and Otter in the same side. I mean, that, that's laughable that they're both playing together. They're essentially very, very, very similar players um, with no pace. And I think we saw that, you know, Arder had to fill in left back. You know, when Joe Bryan, because Knockhart might normally take those corners, Joe Bryan to a corner, and then Arter had to fill in a left back against Pacey Wingers. I mean, it, it was a joke. Uh, so we, we were definitely short staff. That's what I was thinking. And um, okay, you know, no knock art, big miss. Yep, I totally agree. Giannis, your thoughts? Well, we knew you were undermanned, right, Russ? Yep. I mean, that, I mean, that's knock out, not being on the game sheet was was going to be a problem for sure. Um, and he had been in good form. He's played very well recently. Uh, yeah, it's he's, he's taken him a little bit of time to to, to, to adjust, um, but he's done he's done very well. And then all of a sudden he gets injured, and you look at the bench, Russ. I mean, you look at you look at the bench and you say, okay, well, you know, where where are our options? You know, what what do what do we have out there? And you look and you look at the bench. You know, we've got um, we've got really Stansfield, who can play up front. Right. You could give you could give Cyrus Christie a go to maybe do something there, but we we were short. We just looked a little discombobulated. But you know, a couple, there's a couple of positives again. You look at Rep. I mean, K Mac gets another. You know, K Mac gets another game. Arthur gets game time. That's good news. Um, Onama gets you know gets game time. The thing that that I think 
um, the coaches are going to have to make it. And I said at the start of the show, they're going to have to sit down and, and make a very big decision on, on uh, Tom Kearney. I hope he did, doesn't play tomorrow. And I hope he's not in the 18 either. I think he needs time. I think he needs time off. He's just, you know, he's got a young family. His wife just had a baby. Yep. Or whatever. And um, he, he looks tired. And um, we've all, you know, you and I have certainly been through that as, as yeah. parents. And first few months can be very difficult. And um, you need a, a day off. This is a chance to give a, you know, give, give a Stephen, uh, you know, Stephen Sess and, I totally agree with that. We're going to talk about that a little bit, the approach, because I, when we talk about Man City at the end of the show, I'm with you on that. Giannis. He he looked, he looked way, way, way out of sorts. Yep. The fact of the matter is we've got a lot of strikers injured, and you know I think defensively now we're probably set. I think midfield we're probably set. So this week with the transfer window coming up, he's got to be looking at strikers. I mean, I... Glenn Murray is someone who's been looked at because he's you know, tremendous experience at what he can do and you know and come off the bench very very good at holding the ball up and he scores important goals and he's a team player but there are strikers out there um, and the question is you know um, who is available um, but I I think that's going to be the I mean, Tony Carr's got really he's got to find you know pull a rabbit out of the hat. Because without Mitro, um, you know, I don't think we're a worse side. I think we're a different side. We still need someone to, to cover him because people are going to get injured. Yep. And um, so trying to get a big man or someone who can do something a little different up front, um, I think is going to be critical. But, um, you know, with Noki, I knew we were going to have a problem. They don't have bad. They don't have, they don't have bad fullbacks um, by any means, um, I don't think. I mean, Oshelar just done a decent job at right back there for Charlton. He's, he's, um, he's, he's got some acclaim in terms of how he's done it. Nabi Sars, obviously, um, pretty pretty solid um, at the back. They're, they're, um, they're not um, they're, they're not they're not a bad side, Russ. I just you know, Lockyer and Pierce are, are agricultural centre backs yep. <laughs> for Charlton, but but Lee, but Lee Bowyer was like that as a player. People, for, you know. And really, hadn't seen Lee Bowyer. He was a, a combative central midfielder that gave it at 110, 24/7. I mean, the guy didn't have the, you know, necessarily the brain of a Scotty Parker. They played in the same position. But I've always said that coaches, the teams reflect the the the, the temperature uh, and the flavour of the coach. And I really do think that Charlton, you know, are reflective of their manager. And as okay. I said, he's done a superb job. And uh, we're more classy in terms of our build-up and the way we do things, and that was Scotty Parker as a player to a team. Um, as, as I said, we need a striker, and uh, I'm sure like Max, we're all waiting with bated breath to see if we can get Mark Fodringham back. Oh. You had to put, bring him, get him back. Okay. Get him on the first plane. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, good stuff, guys. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the match in general both halves and then we'll finish up the show by talking about Bobby Deckard over Reed and briefly talking about Man City and what we think the approach should be from Scott Parker. Okay, guys, let's get into it. Max, I'll go to you. Let's just talk about, just get your thoughts on the first half. We're just going to basically talk about the halves. There aren't many key moments in this. In the second half, I'm obviously going to bring up Hector, but the first half, what stood out to you? Did anything stand out to you? And how were you feeling at the half? Oh, um, so just the game in general, I was really looking forward to it because that was kind of the the heart, uh, the the worst part of my flu. So I was totally quarantined in my room, hadn't left my house, you know, in a couple <laughs> days, and suddenly the full match is on. The, probably the biggest event of my week. I think I cannot wait for this game. And then nothing happened for 90 minutes, and it was terrible. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, I think the biggest moment for me is Joe Bryan. I think it was a nice run down the left yep. wing, fires it narrowly wide. That was really close, actually. Um, I think Bobby Reed had a nice counterattack that he just hit right at the keeper. His shot, there was a period, I think, of around 10 minutes when we actually had some nice passing. But that was about it. And, yeah, it was, it was just poor. There was not much. I'd, I'd say we actually edged the first half narrowly. But... Not many chances, not many saves either keeper had to make. And you know, just both sides failing uh, to create anything creative in the final third. 
okay. which is all the more frustrating given how I really thought we took a step forward against Burrow with that amazing attacking build-up play. I thought it would, we turned the page. But, again, injuries and whatnot. I think led injuries to, were a factor here, Max. Yeah, it was undoubtedly. But, again, what we saw, you know, on Wednesday, that was the classic slow build-up play. Yep. No creativity in the final third. No ingenuity. It, it was back. Right. I agree with that, but I think uh, Charlton Athletic had a big part to do with that because they set up that way, and we just couldn't figure it out, didn't have that. As Parker was talking about, that attacking piece of magic that you need, and uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit on that. So, Okay, Giannis, quickly, your thoughts on the first half. Do you have anything else to add? I thought that the, ref- I thought that the blowing of the halftime whistle was superb. <laughs> And it was one of the best whistles I've ever heard. Um, no, it was it was um, it was a chess match. It, yep. was, it was a chess match, and it was it wasn't it was um, it wasn't the most entertaining. But um, sometimes you get more out of those because you know you're not always going to have the free flying football for sure. Um, it wasn't a great first half, to be honest. I had a feeling first five, six minutes in that this was going to be one of those games. It just got off to a slow start. Um, and that, you know, I look back to our game against Middlesbrough Friday before last, where we just got off to an absolute flyer. Those 25, 30 minutes was, you know, delicious, to be honest. A nice big, fat, lemon meringue pie. Um, this was more like turd on toast. Um, it was it, it was dire. And um, they, they just, you know, it was... It was it was it was um it was an it was enema like in its pain. Um it didn't look like anyone was gonna score by half time. Right. And I was hoping there was gonna be an injection, no pun intended, uh an injection of um colour in the second half, but second half unfortunately was a little bit more of the same. Yes, and you know, I was gonna go right back to because let's talk about the second half. There are two points I, w- I wanna focus on as we talk about second half of this match, we have to start with the opportunity for Michael Hector off of a corner. This is probably the best opportunity Fulham had. And I thought he, at again, the angle, I was like, he has to score here. But it goes wide. This was, if you want to go back and talk about missed opportunities in general, this was it for this match, Giannis. Yeah, and I, I felt bad. I felt bad for Hector because Hector's been an absolute man monster since coming into the lineup. He's been absolutely brilliant. And on social media, he was the first one to say, I should have put that one away. And you've got a lot of players like that. Hector, is it, I, I, I actually, you know, assessing Hector now for his third game, I, I think that Lampard missed a real trick here. I, I, I don't know where, you know, uh, to me, he's a, better, he's a better player than Rudiger. He just, he just his awareness, um, his pace, uh, he's two-footed, he's smart, he's a communicator. And I, I, I think... Chelsea really dropped the ball. Whether they did, they didn't. They underassessed him. They, um, Lampard made a quick decision because he got it all wrong. He's 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 a pre, he's a Premier League defender and a good Premier League defender at that. And I thought, um, and 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 the measure of the man is that you know he misses an easy chance, and he says, you know, my bad. Yeah, exactly. I it, yeah, I should have put it in. You know, I I don't need to be told. I feel terrible. And as far as I'm concerned, if you if you're willing to do that, then then you know, that, that speaks volumes for who you are as a person. And okay. uh, he doesn't need to apologize because, Jesus, reps make mistakes, coaches make mistakes, um, players make mistakes, people make mistakes at the altar, often too late. Um, but, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was a chance he should have put away. And if he puts that away, I think it, then it forces Chant to come out of their shell and have to attack us. But uh, it wasn't a big. Okay. And totally agree there, Yadis. All right, Max, as the second half goes on, I want to say that uh, Fulham, again, they really were not creating much. And Child uh, Athletic, actually, I, I felt were feeling a little bit more dangerous than Fulham, which is unfortunate. So that's going to lead me to talk about this other talking point to come from the second half. And I understand that he's a young player, but what good can come out of bringing on Jay Stansfield that late in this match? I'm just asking the question. He's your really only option offensively. I know he's a young player. Why not give him 20 minutes? I 100% agree. I think he should have been on there earlier. Um, I think 
it's it's tough. You know, he's very very young, and it's not an easy match to be thrown into. You know, it would have been nice to actually give him more time to find his feet. But I think Parker right. is of the mentality. It would be a risk to throw him on twenty minutes to go because then if we if we concede and it's his fault or he does something that leads to a goal being conceded against us, you know, then then that's on him. And I don't agree with that approach. I think Parker in those kind of situations is usually risk adverse. So yep. honestly, to see him throw on a, a striker, you know, good for him. But you're right, he should have played more. And then, you know, I love Stansfield, but he, was he ready for that moment? I think he played well against Bill in the Cup, but that's a totally different scenario than a competitive league match, you know, in, in midweek away, London Derby. I, I'm not sure if it was the right time for him to play 20 minutes. You know, I love him. I want to see him play more, but maybe that was a correct call, just given how young this guy is. And you're I get that, right. Max. So don't include him in the 18. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's a fair argument. And then, yeah, when he threw him on, there's just not much for him to do. He exactly. That's my point. So that, 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 I think, you have the strongest argument there is that you have either or. Either don't play him at all or throw him on for a substantial time. But you're right. Don't kind of waffle in the middle and give him five minutes where he touches the ball once because the game's exactly. essentially done. Yeah. I because agree. you're not setting him up to succeed. And that, to me, Here's my criticism because I will give Scott Parker credit when he deserves it. I think here, I think is a, a situation where I wish that he would have given him 20 minutes to see what the kid could do or not include him at all in the 18. That's where I'm going on that. Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on this because Fulham did not have many options. So I know he's a young player and, and it, as Max said, maybe it is a risk, but I think this was a risk worth taking. I've, Seen this player, he scored for goals for fun with the academy, and he did not look out of place against Aston Villa, a Premier League team. I know this is a league match. Why not throw him on for 20 minutes? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I and you know, you know, you know, my feelings on Scotty Parker, and I've backed him since day one, and I support him because I think he's the best man for the job, and I've been absolutely steadfast in that. But I think he made a mistake on this one. Um, I, I'd have put him on. He brought him on for an Oma with a couple of minutes to go. I'd have brought him on, on 25, 30 minutes right. to go. So, yeah, I, I, because you're up against a very hard-working blue-collar, but with a relative amount of inexperience in the Charlton side. In a difficult, in, you know, on a not a great pitch in difficult conditions. So this is the thought. This is how heroes are made. This is, you know, um, it's... It, it's better to bring him on with 25-30 to go in a game like that than 25-30 to go and we're winning 3 4 nothing. Exactly. Yeah, he's going to learn more out of what was a physical tussle. And I, just, I mean, I know he's growing and he's, he's obviously growing in his body. Um, but I, I, about the hour mark, I was thinking, oh, they've been Jay on this. This is the perfect time to do it. Give him a runaround. Let him do some stuff. Let him have some fun. And I was I was disappointed. I was disappointed he wasn't brought on because it was a lack of attacking options on the bench. Right, and that's and that was my complaint about Scott. That's the one misstep he made. The only thing I'm thinking is looking ahead to tomorrow's game, whether he might do the unthinkable and start him. I hope he does because you know uh, I mean we Ryan Sessegnon was was playing you know in the eleven when he was seventeen, so. You know, uh, so he's a little bit bigger than Stansfield, but this is how you learn your trade. That's right. Um, you know, as, as, as a kid, and you know, you'll have his ups and his downs and his bumps. And I, if I'm playing in that game on Wednesday and I see Stansfield come on, I'm going, "Oh, this is great! This this is actually a boost because the young kid is coming on. He's going to be as fresh as a daisy. He's going to be um, no fear. No fear. He probably had no. Fear. He probably wouldn't play with no fear because he doesn't know any better." That's right, and it's almost having a—it's almost like having a, a running blood transfusion come on the right. field because you know you've got that injection of energy, and and that's as a coach, I'd have bought, I'd have, I wouldn't have thought twice about going. Yeah, come on, son, come on. Exactly. And give it twenty minutes, see what you can do. Um, what was I must say? I mean, I you know I I think he's going to play a big part tomorrow. I hope he starts. I I, I think the Huddersfield game is you know is looming large. Congola will start, I believe. But up front, we don't have that many options. And you really got to think of, if, if knockout isn't fit, you've also got to think of Cavallero 
um, you, you don't want him to burn out. Um, right. And you want I've seen some talk about that too. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Kearney, you know, I've spoken about. So Stansfield may well get a lock and it's not going to matter tomorrow. Neither team has enough to lose. So give it a go and, and, and see what see if he can. The FA Cup was, for many years, was the darling because it, it created heroes of people you've never heard of. And um, maybe tomorrow, I mean, I know the other, look, Tranmere are playing Man United tomorrow, which should be a fantastic game, by the way. I think it's going to be an absolute ripper. Shrewsbury Town are playing Liverpool. That's another fairy tale game, um, lower division. And although we're Championship and City, uh, um, Premier League, obviously, and champions, um, we've got nothing to lose. We go out there, we have a laugh. And hey, who knows? We could have the game of our lives and get a replay. And that's still more money in the coffers. That's not, that's not, that's right. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I think it was a misstep by Scotland. Okay, very good. And we're going to finish up basically talking a little bit more about what we think Fulham should do. I'm, I'm definitely on the same wavelength with you against Man City, Giannis, and uh, we'll finish up with that. But I do want to talk about Bobby Decker Dover Reed, guys, right now becoming permanent. Now he's a Fulham player, and I've seen tweets. Uh, I've seen some stories from Carter City fans, basically. You know, I'm just seeing a few that are happy that he's gone or whatever. I'm happy that he's a permanent player for Fulham Football Club. So, Max, your thoughts on this becoming permanent. What do you think this means? And also, could this help Fulham grab another loan now? Because now it's permanent. Yeah, sure. That's I think that's the most direct impact of it. Um, because, you know, Reed was going to play the end of the season with us anyway. But the loan thing is big. Um, I'm really curious about the fee. I think people have suggested it's around £10 million. I've region, seen that. Which is a lot. I think, but in this inflated market with a British player, I don't know. It's not terrible, but that that is a lot of money to be spending. You add that to how much you spent for Hector, which I read somewhere is eight million, and Cavalier is around fifteen million. That's a significant outlay. That is some big spending, and you know that's that's intent. That's intent from the comms. I respect that. Right. Um, and it solves a lot of what I think was a big issue of when we got promoted. You know, in twenty seventeen eighteen was that we had a lot of loans, loose ends, players went back to their parent clubs, and it was instability. Now, in the event that we do go up, if we go up, we're going to have stability. We're going to have players who know what they're doing. They're not just going to return to their parent clubs. They're going to stay with Fulham, and we can have a base to build on. Right. Because that, that, for me, was the biggest thing, is that we have a lot of really good players, but they're all loans. And when they went back to their teams, we were left with even bigger gaps. So that's positive. And the player himself, I think it's superb. Uh, even during... I think the broadcast of the Charlton match, I think gentleman Jim said, hey, I hope we can get Reed on a permanent. And I said, for sure, that could ever Reed has been a, a revelation, I think, at times this season. He's had his ups and downs. He couldn't score for his life in the first couple months. But I think the last um, last month, I think we, we've seen the best out of him. And he, I think he's such a dangerous player. His finishing needs work. But I think his pace, his, his I think his runs are superb. I think he makes really intelligent passes. And he's such an ass to have in that final third. If we can unleash him, I think, week in, week out, I think he can be one of the best attackers in the division. Okay, excellent there. Over to you, Giannis. Your thoughts on Bobby Decadova-Reed officially becoming a phone player? Yeah, it's great having a player that's got four names. We should add more to them. Bobby <laughs> Decadova-Reed, De La Salle, De La Santos, Rui Font. That was, that was <laughs> a bit Yeah, we're mentioning Rui, yeah, Rui Font. Two goals this year, poor fella. Um, you know what, jokes aside, super signing. And and, and uh, another player who uh, was a little slow to, to get off the mark, but he's a good player. And um, again... And he um, wants to be a form too. Let's also mention that. It's know, pretty yeah. obvious. Well, who doesn't? I mean, everybody wants to. Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, you know, I mean, Henderson, Van Dijk. They all want to be Fulham players. They just wearing red shirts and play for Liverpool. Everybody wants to play for the greatest club in the world. London's oldest football team. That's who we are. I think it's um, going to be interesting how now Khan plays this in terms of the loan piece. Now that he's tied up um, Caballero, um, and he's, uh, obviously we've got Hector in, and he's, he's signed up for Decadova-Reed. So this is going to be interesting. But I think it's, a, it's good intent. Uh, these are good players. And, um, you know, it's, it, I see it as a good mode of consolidation so that there aren't those 
question marks hanging around. And of course, now the questions in terms of loans are going to look, you know, Harrison Reed has been injured, but as to all intents and purposes, has done very, very well. And Harry Arter, who, you know, has had a few good games, he's had a few hot headed ones, scored a world against Villa in the Cup. Um, is he someone to keep? I, I'd love to keep him. I think he's, he's, he's I think, a midfield looks a little scary when you've got, you know, he and Steph Joe and, and Kay Mack, um, you know, doing their stuff. Um, it's just that maybe that the question mark, guys, is, is the quality of ball distribution. And this is where uh, inevitably I'm going to go back to sounding like a boo boy, and I don't mean to be, but, you know, Thomas Kearney. Yeah. Um, that, that might be, I didn't think before last week that would be a, a potential target in terms of the, um, in terms of the transfer window. But um, I now think that might be, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Carr's looking at this now. Um, and the sort of player we could get out there that could possibly help us. Someone maybe like a Joe Allen, as an example, who's a good passer of ball, works very, very hard, not scared to drop and defend. He is playing for Stoke, but he's a, he's a, he's a good player. And um, he'd give us sort of energy and buzz. And I'm just throwing a name out there. Joe, sure. Joe, I understand uh, where you're going on that. Yes. Yeah, I'm very high on him. He's, and... Um, so maybe we'll have two players that come in, um, but um, uh, I I think I've lost my train of thought. I think my brain's gone. My brain's gone again. Where's my bothering him? <laughs> Not a problem there, my friend. All right, good stuff from the two of you. Let's finish up by talking about what you would do if you're Scott Parker. Your approach, your starting eleven. What would you do, Max, if you were Scott Parker for this match? As Yana said. You got nothing to lose. I'm throwing on some kids. I'm basically giving people a chance. I would start Jay Stansfield. You've got nothing to lose. I don't think you're going to be affecting him emotionally if Fulham gets shellacked here. It's Man City. We're expecting that. So what would be your approach? Yeah, this reminds me a lot of when we played, you know, City away in the in the League Cup, right, when in the relegation season last season. And everyone was saying, you know, throw on the kids. Harvey Elliott, get him on there. Yep. The other 16s up there. Didn't and what happened was exactly that. Solis actually played a pretty strong side. And I would not be surprised if Parker did a similar thing. We're expecting him to throw on the kids. I think he'll play uh, not a terribly young team. I think he'll play some people certainly not on the first team. But I, I'm not going to expect just kids out there just to get thrashed. You know, I think he's going to have some intent. But if it were me, if it was my starting weapon, I mean, it's Bednelli and goal. I'd have Congolo and Hector. I'd throw in Sassimion, um in defense. And I'd, I'd actually play Brian. Left back. He hasn't actually played there in a while. Yep. Um, yep. And then midfield, you know, I want to see De La Torre. I want to see O'Reilly. You know, I want to see those okay. young players. And maybe throw in McDonald. Sure. That's kind of the old head or order to partner okay. them. And then, you know, up front, sure, get, get, get Stansfield in there. Don't know if Cabano's fit, but I'm just a match where I play Cabano. And again, I don't know who else is fit, but maybe Cavalier up there as well. But I think I want a mix of youth, but also experience, so it's not completely embarrassing. Okay. How about you, Giannis? Well, this is what I would, uh, this is going to be a little controversial. I'll throw this at it. Uh, I'll start Magnus Norman Goal. Um, The the back four um, I would start would be. Uh, Christie at right back, Adoy at left back, and Hector and um, Congola in the middle. Um, the midfield, uh, I would start um, Harry Arta, Kmac, and Stefan Johansson. And up front, I would start um, Dacre Dover Reed, Stansfield, and Cavallero. Uh, I'd like to see if um, Luca Del Torre will get could maybe get a start. I, I just um, I, I this is, here's the thing, guys. I, I think that um, there's a lot of criticism level that, that the Premier League clubs in terms of the, the teams that they put out. A lot of it is to do with schedule. For example, Thursday night when Watford went up to Trenton Park and lost to Tranmere, they made 11 changes from the team that lost to, to Villa on Tuesday night. That scheduling is disgusting. It, it, it's not on. You know, it doesn't give it doesn't give managers any sort of chance. 
But the one thing I've noticed in the last couple of years is that teams like Liverpool and City, the two best clubs in the country, don't tend to put out weekend lineups. They're tending to respect the cup, which I think is great. I think Pep is going to put out a decent lineup tomorrow. I think he'll put out a pretty strong lineup, which okay. means there's every chance like an Aguero will play, and a De Bruyne will play, and a Gundogan will play, and a Walker will play, and Foden will play, and um, De Silva and Fernandinho. I, I think they're going to put a strong lineup out. And for that reason, I think putting a, a experience in the centre of the park. With a couple of little kid, kiddies in there, it's going to be good, a good experience. Um, and that's, you know, we want another reason why Pep and Klopp are so respected is they don't, you know, Klopp's going to do the same at Game Meadow tomorrow against Shrewsbury. It's going to be yep. a packed house. You know, they're going to go absolutely bananas down there. They're going to be so excited. And he's not going to send a bunch of kids down there. He's going to send out a decent lineup, a good lineup. Giannis, didn't he play like all those kids in, in, in the FA Men's Everton? I thought, I thought that was one of the big things this season. They played like, Harvey Elliott and the whole, I know, under twenty one team. But to be, but oh yeah, but that up, and you know why that was because that was because it coincided with the World Club Cup. No, that, no, that was a league cup. But I feel like also oh, against, league, yeah, against yeah, Everton, it was a joke yeah, team, in, and they still won. Yeah, but they were in, they were in, they were in. Uh, it was in Japan, wasn't it? The World Club Cup. Yeah. But there were two I think, games, I think that happened for the Villa for the Villa match in the League Cup. But I think even the FA Cup last round they beat Everton. It was that like eighteen year old kid Curtis Jones scored the winner. I mean. No, I, I see your point, but I think Liverpool also kind of experimented this year with some youngers and actually won with them, which is funny. Okay, good stuff. Well, it, and, and it's actually interesting, it's, it's funny to say that because um, when Liverpool um, played Wolves the other night, um, I mean, a measure of their, their, their squad run is James Milner didn't make the 18. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, <laughs> Milner, Milner seems, I, I don't know, he doesn't seem to age, does he really? He's, he's, you know, he's, he, he does such a wonderful job that they've got such depth right now, and that's what makes them a scary club. I think City, not necessarily that far off, but I think that they're respecters of the cup, and um, I'm expecting a good, strong lineup, and I'm looking forward to the game. If we, if we do the unthinkable win, fantastic. If we lose, who cares? Um, I'm excited to see Congola play, and I'm excited to see Stansfield get a run out. And then we just focus our attention on, on Huddersfield Town and, um, and you know, for all the points, the point, the marbles there. But um, it's a shame we didn't get, a, you know, a slightly easier draw would have been nice for the, for the cup. It's always nice to go on a nice cup run. Sure. But, um, but I'm not going to, hey, listen, the cup has brought up some surprises before. You never, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I can't see us winning up there, but, you know. We never know, Yanis. Never know. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff from the two of you. Guys, before we wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk, I want to mention this again. Our friends at the Come On You Whites app, which you can download on your iPhone and also on your Android. Definitely check it out. I look at it every single day with upcoming shows. You know, again, uh, you can actually listen to Cottage Talk on there along with Fulmish and then, of course, Full and Focus. All podcasts, all three podcasts are there, so you can check that out. It's an easy way to listen to all three of us. I uh, also want to mention they do have some very good articles that keep updating. I check it every single day, at least four to five times a day. Highly recommend it. You can follow them on Twitter at C-O-Y-Whites underscore com. Check them out. Highly recommend it. Okay, guys, yes. let's wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk. For Jan Shanez and Max Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.